It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Three, two, one. But I'm working out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer. Jim Calhoun, NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we go. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 292 of the podcast that is Sweeping America, the Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is Monday, September 14th, 2020, people. I hope everyone had a great weekend, and I'm assuming you did, because in the world of sports, it is finally starting to get back to a sense of normalcy. I know that it won't really feel normal until we get, at the very least, SEC football here in a week or two, but Saturday, we get some of the bigger brands in the sport. We get Clemson, we get Notre Dame, we get uh, Louisville played Western Kentucky, Florida State played, and then on Sunday, we got a great slate of actual NFL football. It felt so good. Well, unless you're a Bengals fan. To all the Bengals fans that listen, and there are a lot, I am very sorry. I'm actually recording here right after uh, that missed field goal that would have tied the game. Your franchise is in good hands with Joe Burrow, but the Bengals are still going to bangle. So sorry to you Bengals fans, but we got a lot to get into today. So much to talk about. And really, uh, just just it's it's a celebration, right? Because one college football is back. But before we get to that, I am going to give you a pretty lengthy update on what's going on in the Big Ten. I coined the term as the Big Ten turns a few weeks ago, and it just feels so appropriate because they spent all weekend having all these meetings. You hear all these leaked reports about the league may be on the verge of coming back, of making an announcement, and then Sunday night we find out that they're actually not going to do anything as of right now. I do expect a decision sometime soon, potentially as early as Monday as you guys are listening to this show, but I will tell you what happened this weekend kind of my understanding of things. I made a lot of phone calls over the course of the weekend, did talk to some people that are pretty plugged in in Big Ten country, uh, and I have some kind of idea of what I think is going to happen, what I think could happen, why some of it could be positive, why some of it could be negative. We will talk about the Big Ten. Then we'll just kind of get into week one of college football. Uh, I don't think there was any great takeaway that had to, has to be discussed for 10 or 12 or 15 minutes, but Obviously, a great day for the Sun Belt as they absolutely lay waste to the Big 12. Uh, uh, Arkansas State beats Kansas State. Louisiana beats Iowa State. Coastal Carolina beats Kansas. So we'll get into a little bit of the Sun Belt. We will get into, I think, what I think is kind of interesting, which is Florida State just losing and looking awful. I saw a crazy stat on Florida State that I think for anybody that's an old school college football fan, you'll be stunned by. And just a really quick thought on Clemson before we get out of here. I'll talk a little bit about the no fans in the stands and and some other variables as well. But like I said, no great major takeaway that has to be discussed in length today. But I think the big takeaway, the big important takeaway is that we have actual football back. It felt so good on Saturday to wake up, to put on game day and to do all the things that we normally do. I know the product on the field does not look the same. In many cases, it does not feel the same. But as I said, in a week or two, we are going to get some SEC football. We're going to get Auburn hosting Kentucky. We're going to get LSU hosting Mississippi State. We're going to get Alabama and Missouri. And so because of that, we will get back to normalcy here soon, even more so than we already have. All right, before we get started, I do want to remind everybody, please make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast, the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Many of you are new to this show, new to what I do, new to who I am. 
But if you're not subscribed, now is a great time to do so. And for obvious reasons, for people who don't understand, if you're subscribed, new episodes will come to your phone every single time they hit iTunes. You don't have to be looking for my Twitter feed or my Instagram feed trying to figure out when new episodes are live. They will just be live into your phone. So make sure that you're subscribed. Uh, You can subscribe on iTunes. You can subscribe on the Podcast Addict app. Podbean, if you uh, pod podcast addict app, I should say, if you have an Android, Podbean, otherwise, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to rate and uh, uh, make sure to subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Another review from UK Grammy who says, Great podcast, Aaron. With all the negativity in our 2020 world, it is so refreshing to listen to your positive vibes. Please. Keep giving us sports commentary with humor, facts, and your enthusiasm. Thank you, UK Grammy. And what I would say really quick is thank you to all of you because I've gotten so many messages to that effect here over the past two, three, four months. And what I would say is I understand that these are unprecedented times for everybody. I talk about it sometimes from show to show, but I get This is a totally different world that we're living in. We are all trying to survive day to day. And I know a lot of you are going through some really difficult times. So just know that better times are ahead, that we have, I think, hopefully survived the worst of this and we can start to move forward. It feels great to have sports back on the field. But what I always try to do, stick to sports, stick to what you guys want to hear and try to bring some positivity because we got actual football back, and so it's nothing but positive vibes only from this point. The people that wanted college football canceled, sorry, losers, it's over. We got college football back, and so we'll get into that in a minute. And, of course, uh, if you are not following on social media, as I mentioned last episode, I have just started a new social media Twitter feed for this podcast at Aaron Torres Pod, more of this show, more clips, more videos, all sorts of stuff. So make sure you find that new Twitter feed at Aaron Torres Pod. Uh, it's also pinned to the top of my normal Twitter feed, Aaron underscore Torres, so you can follow me there. Also, if you're not following on Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast on Instagram. And if you have any questions for the show, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Aaron podcast questions at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get into it, people. There is no more time to waste. And as I said, it is great to have football back. And I do want to talk about college football. I do want to give credit to all the teams on the field that actually made it to the field, not just the Clemsons and the North Carolinas and the Syracuses and the Notre Dames, but also, as I've said in previous episodes, the Central Arkansas, the Arkansas States, uh, the North Texases, the SMU, Texas State has already played two games. Uh, Who'd they play? UTSA, Texas San Antonio. So credit to all the teams that have gotten to the field. But I will say, The big story in college sports continues to be what is going on in the Big Ten as the Big Ten turns, as I call it, and uh, we have reached another surreal, crazy moment in time with the Big Ten. It is a little over a month since they officially canceled the season, and I think we're at the point where they're about to uncancel the season, and so let's get into it, and I did make some phone calls. I did talk to somebody that I trust who is pretty plugged in in the Big Ten, and I kind of want to give a rundown of what I know, what the public knows, what I've heard behind the scenes, and what should happen going forward because I do think there's some good news. I do think there is some potential, maybe not so good news going forward with the Big Ten. But let's get into it. And I think the big story from this weekend is, of course, that the Big Ten presidents are back to meeting pretty regularly about the possibility, excuse me, about the possibility of college football. And they obviously, (laughs) they met all of late July, all of early August, and totally squashed the college football season like a bug in the Big Ten. They expected all the other power conferences to follow suit. They assumed that they were right. They got on their high horse and their perch, and they puffed their chest out, and we care about our athletes more than anybody else, and ACC and Big Ten, or Big 12, and and SEC, you heathens down in 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 the southern and southwestern part of this country, you better follow our lead because we wear tweed jackets and we 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 care about our student athletes more than you yeah well sorry dude you guys were 100% wrong ACC and Big 12 kicked off this week SEC is kicking off in two weeks and as I said a minute ago the Sun Belt 
Conference USA, the AAC have all kicked off here over the last couple weeks and football can be played. And so the Big Ten is currently scrambling and they essentially had two sets of meetings this weekend. The first one on Saturday was not as big as the second one on Sunday, which was kind of the meeting where they're starting now to regather data to get updates on what could potentially be reasons to play or reasons to not play. And the meetings on Sunday were really wide-ranging. They did meet with their medical professional team. They met with TV executives. They met with people trying to figure out, okay, what would a potential TV schedule look like? What would a regular schedule look like? And all the things that go into restarting a college football season. Now, I would say on the negative, these meetings should not have to take place in the first place because you should have never canceled the season. But I will also give the Big Ten presidents, I guess, a tiny morsel of credit because at least they're actually doing their due diligence this time. If you remember, I told you this story, but there was a report out of Nebraska. Nebraska, of course, is a member of the Big Ten. There was a report out of Nebraska where when the initial vote came down, when the initial vote came down, um, there was nobody on the call other than the presidents and the Big Ten commissioner, Kevin Warren. There was no one from medical personnel. There were no ADs. There were no coaches. There were no student athletes. There were no parents. And I'm not saying that we have to, that it's Noah's Ark and we got to let two of everybody in. But the idea that these school presidents made this decision with one single representative from athletics, which was the Big Ten commissioner, Kevin Warren, was ridiculous. The fact that there were no medical professionals on that call, there were no coaches, there were certainly no ADs who had a good feel for what their programs were doing to protect players. It never made sense. So at the very least, we got these calls on Sunday, and what I can essentially tell you is a couple things. One, obviously it goes without saying, no final decision was made in terms of what they're going to do going forward, but I do believe that they are now closer than they've ever been to actually re-implementing college football. And I'll tell you the reasons that I, I, I believe that it's going on. Some of them are factual. Some of them are innuendo. Some of them are the reasons that, that they want you to think. And some of them are the reasons that it's really happening that we are now at this moment in time where we are probably going to get Big Ten football. The reason, whenever the Big Ten comes out with a statement, I do believe we are going to get Big Ten football at some point in the 2020 calendar year. Now, I'll give you the details of the when and where in a minute. I do believe that we're going to get it. And what I will tell you is the reason the Big Ten is going to give you that they are bringing back college football is because they are going to say that with this new rapid test that the Pac-12 has implemented, the Pac-12 is testing right now, The Big Ten is going to say, well, it's much safer. It's completely different. We can now test these guys every day. We can make sure before they come into the facility that they get tested. In 15 minutes, we'll know the result. And then obviously, if they are testing positive, they will not be allowed in the facility and we will send them on their way. The Big Ten is going to pretend. I'm just telling you this is what's going to happen. The Big Ten is going to pretend like this is some revolutionary, earth-shattering breakthrough that is a total game changer. Of course, they're going to tell you that after um, you know they've spent the last month leaking stories to all their lackeys in the media, and I've told you on this show many times, I try not to criticize other folks in the media, but I'm going to call a spade a spade. When Ryan Day comes out and says that he thinks the team deserves to play, that Ohio State deserves to play, and three media members immediately come out with the same message about Ohio State, though, well, the only reason Ryan Day said that is because Ohio State can play for a national championship. When three media members come out with a tweet almost verbatim when that statement is made by Ryan Day, what that tells me is that they are getting their information directly from the Big Ten offices, and they are essentially a mouthpiece for the Big Ten. So the Big Ten is going to to tell you in a day or two that it's this new testing, and it's revolutionary, and it's game-changing. What they won't tell you is that it actually makes no sense because, one, First of all, the schools are doing a really good job of testing these athletes as is, which we're going to get into in a minute. But beyond that, they've also been leaking stories to their lackeys in the media for the last month about myocarditis, about this this heart condition that supposedly, oh my goodness, there's so many cases and this is... First of all, every myocarditis study that they've cited has been proven to be factually incorrect. The University of Michigan's own uh, medical team came out and said the study that was used was totally bogus. 
then the Penn State study was proven to be totally bogus. And so I only bring this up because what I'm telling you right now is when the Big Ten announces that they are going to bring back football, they are going to say that new daily testing is the reason that we are now allowing football to take place as well as fall sports. And it's going to make no sense because they've been complaining for a month, not about testing, not about safety, but about this myocarditis heart condition. So I'm just telling you, this is the reason that the Big Ten is going to tell you that it is now safe to play football, that it is because of this new testing, when in reality, here is the real reason that they are starting to put the, the plan in place to get football back. And it's really very simple. They are getting destroyed um, uh, by, their, by their parents, by the players, by the media that isn't buying into the narrative that they're feeding them. And essentially, we as the public have essentially backed the Big Ten into the corner. And so they're going to tell you that it's about, oh, it's about, oh, it's about this new rapid testing and it's a total game. No, it's not. The reason is, is because the parents are suing the league. The players are suing the league. We have protests up and down the streets in Ann Arbor and Columbus and some of these campuses. Uh, we have the attorney general in Ohio going after the Big Ten. We have the, the attorney general in Nebraska going after the Big Ten and essentially saying that the state of Nebraska can sue the Big Ten as a conference. And, that's the, that, and that is why this is happening. There's a couple of reasons. It's happening because the adults got involved, and more importantly, because the lawyers got involved. It's one thing when a parents hold up some picket signs and we want to play and blah, 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 and this and that. But when you have a group of players from Nebraska hiring lawyers so that they can play, when you have Tom Mars working on behalf of the parents so that they can play, and when you have the attorney general of both Ohio and Nebraska fighting this fight for you, that is the game changer. The Big Ten has been backed into a corner. The Big Ten presidents know that they are putting the entire conference's livelihood at stake. And even Kevin Warren, I believe in that commissioner's office, understands like this is not a lawsuit that we can win. This is not a fight that we can win, not only publicly, but behind the scenes if we continue to fight. Now, there is a second reason as well that these uh, schools are deciding to do this revote. It's because about two, three weeks ago, as we've discussed on this show, because of the pressure from the parents and because of the pressure from the players, the actual first vote, the results were released. And if you remember, I talked to you a lot about that on a show about two weeks ago, and it was an 11-3 to vote in favor of canceling the season, and the only three schools that voted in favor of playing were Ohio State, Iowa, and Nebraska. Why is that important? It's important because of the fact that what that means is that Michigan voted against playing, Michigan State voted against playing, Penn State voted against playing, Wisconsin voted against playing, Minnesota voted against playing, and those votes are now public, and those school presidents are now feeling the heat, understanding that as I have told you for weeks now, they will not survive. They will not keep their jobs if football is not played. One, they are going to put their, their, their universities and their towns at this crazy economic disadvantage. I talked a few weeks ago about Iowa canceling a bunch of sports. Now Minnesota had to cancel three, four, five sports. And we're talking about you know nine-figure deficits that these schools are going to run if they don't play football. We're talking about $100 million in losses. And there's only so many jobs you can cut. There's only so many sports you can cut. You cannot make up this money. And so I think when you add in the fact that it is crippling these athletic departments, as I've told you it would since July, on top of the fact that it's crippling these universities, it's crippling these communities, and it is going to cripple their uh, opportunity to keep their jobs because, again, as I've told you, the donors, the boosters, the alums that are paying for, for stuff at that university, it's not just a football facility that you need donations from if you're running a university. You need donations for the new chemistry uh, uh, building. You need a new donations for the new business school. You need a new donations for a new library. Those donations are not going to come in if you do not play football, because football is such a livelihood in the states, uh, in these places like Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, whatever. And so these school presidents are starting to realize, we screwed this up really bad. It is now public that I voted against college football being played in, in, in this season. And I will not keep my job if we do not get football back on the field. So those are the reasons that this is actually going to happen. 
Now, here's the important part, because I think this is something that is absolutely worth monitoring. I think there are two factions on when we could actually play football, okay? I think the first faction is the one that you've heard about publicly that makes a lot of sense. Sometime in mid to late October. And it makes sense for the obvious reasons. First of all, it's about two, three, four weeks down the road. Um, You know, Jim Harbaugh said last week, Michigan will be ready to play in two weeks. Give us two weeks notice. Tell us when and where. We'll be there. Helmets on, ready to play. Ryan Day came out this week and said, we should be playing by mid-October. There is no reason. And it's for the reasons that make sense. First of all, again, for people who have forgotten details of this story, I'm just repeating a lot of stuff, so forgive me. But remember, most of these students at most of these universities are already on campus. They are already allowed under NCAA rules to come into the facility. Some schools are actually holding actual workouts and practices, just not with pads on. And so the October 17th or so date makes sense for a couple reasons. One, it's because it's not this crazy turnaround. It's not like you have 85 guys all over the country. Most of these teams are on campuses, in the facility, working out, coming every day to work out, getting tested every day. They're ready to play. So we don't need until November 25th. We don't need until Thanksgiving. We can play in a month here. And I think it makes sense for the other obvious reason. You get back on the field by the middle of October, you can have a team, most likely Ohio State, competing for a national championship. And that's really what this is about and why the push for mid-October is, why Ryan Day came out and said he wants to play, Ohio State should be back on the field by the middle of October. It's because he knows I have a team good enough to win the national championship and there's no reason that we cannot be on the field playing football games within a month. And so that is why the October 17th date makes sense. It's why I believe it is being considered for the Big Ten as, a, as, as, as the date going forward. And it's obviously something that I hope happens. If you play October 17th, remember, as I've told you many times, the SEC has pushed back their conference championship game till December 19th. It was originally scheduled for December 5th. Why is that important? It gives the Big Ten two extra weeks to get games in before we decide who's going to play in the college football playoff. So you play October 17th, you can feasibly get in about eight games plus a conference championship game and have a reasonable facsimile of who is the best team in the conference, who should play for the conference championship with a a chance to compete for a national championship. You play four, five, six games, it's a little harder to decide who is actually the best team, but you get to eight, nine games it's much more feasible. So the October 17th date is something I believe the Big Ten presidents are considering, and I certainly hope that that is the decision they will make. Now, what my my, my top A1 source out of Big Ten country told me, and this is what scares me, is that they're also still very seriously considering Thanksgiving. And before (laughs) before we go any further, let me just tell you, Thanksgiving is idiotic, okay? Among, uh, you know, I know I said that expanding the NCAA tournament to 346 teams is the dumbest decision since New Coke and Home Alone 3. Well, I take it back. Playing Thanksgiving for the Big Ten is among the dumbest decisions that could possibly be made because then it does not allow you to compete for a national championship. You can't get in eight, nine games before that December 19th date where you crown a Big Ten champ and potentially a team in the playoff. But I have heard and I do believe that the presidents are actually considering pushing back until Thanksgiving. And so let me explain why, why I think it's wrong, but I do believe it's happening. And let me explain to you what I heard over the course of the weekend. The reason that they're considering Thanksgiving is a couple reasons. First of all, you got to remember, These presidents, they're not sports people. They're not football people. They're not like you and me and UK Grammy and everybody that eats, sleeps, and breathes this stuff, okay? They don't understand, at least right now, and hopefully this is expressed to them, the reason that Ryan Day is pushing so hard for October 17th is because it gives Ohio State a chance to compete in this season with Clemson, Alabama, LSU, Notre Dame, whoever, for a shot at a national championship. That is really important. The whole reason you come back in October is for that reason. The presidents, I don't believe, fully understand. In their head, they're thinking the players, the parents, the, 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 the fans, they're fighting for 2020. They're fighting to play in 2020. Well, if we come back in Thanksgiving, that's 2020. 
We'll keep them happy. We'll shut them up. They do not understand the ramifications of waiting until Thanksgiving, but I do believe they are considering. There are some other political reasons at play, and this is what I'm hearing, and this is a big part of it. Never forget, as I told you a few episodes ago, the Pac-12 is a factor in this as well. And I know that the Pac-12 is a national punching bag, and I get it. They should be. They have not you know, been relevant on the national scale basically since Chip Kelly left Oregon. I mean, you could even really go back to Pete Carroll at USC, but they're not relevant, and I get it. I live in Pac-12 country. It sucks. I live 10 minutes from the Rose Bowl where UCLA plays. It's a reality. They're not relevant nationally. But the reason this is important is for this reason, is two, the Pac-12, as I told you a few episodes ago, they realistically cannot get on the field October 17th. A lot of their teams are not even on campus at this point. The ones that are on campus, many of them cannot get into their own facilities to work out. I told you this, the four California schools, some of them are back on campus. I believe USC's football program is back on campus, but by law they are still not allowed in the football facility. And so realistically, for the Pac-12, it's not realistic to play before about Thanksgiving because of the fact that that you have four schools in in, in California that can't even get into their facility that haven't been training the way that Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State have been training. Uh, Oregon, those two schools, my understanding is at the very least Oregon, University of Oregon, their players aren't even on campus right now because they actually are on a quarter system and the quarter, you know, the, the fall quarter doesn't start for another week or two. So their players aren't even on campus right now. So you have two kind of issues of a lot of schools don't have kids on campus and even the ones that are on campus, not all of them can get their players into the facilities. And so I do think there's some kind of political wranglings behind the scenes to get some rules changed in Pac-12 country to get these teams allowed in the facilities But even if you do, they cannot play until Thanksgiving. And so I think the Pac-12 is really trying to push the Big Ten like, hey, dude, we fell on the sword for you back in August. When you canceled, we jumped right in and said, we're standing beside you. Now we need you to fall on the sword for us and not play until Thanksgiving. And I think the Big Ten presidents, again, not having a full understanding of what's at stake waiting until Thanksgiving, I think they're considering it. I would add on top of that, my source who is really plugged in in the Big Ten told me that the Pac-12 is trying to convince the Big Ten that if we wait till Thanksgiving, we are going to own Saturdays on the back end of the fall, winter into January. Now that's idiotic, but I am told that that is what the Pac-12 is trying to sell the Big Ten. We will own Saturdays in late November, December, January. Here's why that's just factually wrong. First of all, again, as I told you, never forget, the SEC is not playing its conference championship till December 19th. So even if you start the season on Thanksgiving weekend, you still have three or four weekends that you're competing with the SEC. So don't tell me you're going to own December when they're playing December 5th. They're potentially going to have makeup games December 12th. And December 19th is the conference championship game. That's one. Two, never forget, the NFL, once college football ends, schedules some Saturday games. And oh, by the way, come January, we're going to have playoff games. So what Saturdays are you really going to own Pac-12? And this is hypothetical, but this is what I believe the Pac-12 thinks, is we're going to own those late Saturdays. What Saturdays are you going to own? December 26th? The day after after Christmas? What are you going to own? January 1st and 2nd when everyone's hung <laughs> when everyone's hung over and we might even get the playoff on that day and so to me I'm just telling you man it makes no sense and oh by the way that doesn't even factor in that I don't believe any of the top players that haven't yet declared for the draft and a lot of them have USC's had a few guys declare Oregon's had a couple guys declare uh, in the Big Ten Ohio State Penn State uh, Michigan Minnesota have all had at least one player declare That's all assuming that if we push back to Thanksgiving, I just don't see the scenario where Justin Fields and all Ohio State's best players that are draft eligible, there's no reason for them to play because their season's going to run past the regular college football season. It just makes no sense. But what I am telling you is that I believe that part of the reason that the Big Ten pushed back on Sunday on making a decision is because they are still torn on if they want to push for early October, mid-October, 
or they want to push for November. I do feel good that we are going to get Big Ten football. What I don't feel as good about is what the date is. I would say if you ask me for a percentage right now on Sunday night, you know, it's about 10 o'clock Eastern. I believe we are probably at like 95% that the Big Ten is back in 2020. Maybe not 95%, maybe like 75%. I feel good though. It's more than 50%. What I'm not sold on is when it starts. My heart tells me that they will be smart enough to make the right decision and choose early to mid-October, give all their teams a chance to compete with the ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC for a shot at a national championship. I'm telling you, though, and I mean, I didn't mean to breathe right in your ear. You guys are at the gym, and you're working out and doing all this stuff. I didn't mean to breathe in your ear, so sorry about that. But my gut tells me they're going to screw this up because they've screwed everything else up. They're going to try to sell us on Thanksgiving football. It's going to be a PR disaster, and they are just going to keep pushing this back, eventually end up in November. I hope I'm wrong, but that's my fear. I was planning on doing like 10 or 15 minutes on the Big Ten. It ends up being 25, and we're already at the 30-minute mark. So let's get to some of the actual football on the field this weekend. And where I really want to start, as I was watching those games, um, you know, first of all, I would say this, is I would say, look, I get that having no fans in the stands did feel like, like, like I should even backtrack. I had a lot of you guys reach out to me either on Twitter, via DM, on Instagram, and you guys did tell me, like, dude, I really wanted to get into college football today. Like, I really, really, really wanted to get into it. But I just couldn't get into Syracuse, North Carolina. I just couldn't get into Duke, Notre Dame. Maybe by Clemson, people were into it. But, but people were telling me, like, I just I couldn't get into it. And what I would say is, I do get it. I think part of it is the SEC, the big brands. You know, we, we, once football season starts... We build our whole football Saturday in large part around that 3.30 SEC game on CBS. Now, there's some good games early, especially the last year. If you remember, Fox had some big, big 10 games on in that noon window. But for the most part, it doesn't feel like SEC football because I don't believe Alabama's playing, LSU's playing, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, Auburn, all of those teams. So I think that's part of it. And I think the other part is, yeah, the no fans in the stands thing is weird. I think it will be helped when the SEC comes back because essentially all of those schools will have some fans in the stands. Um, but listen, I just think this is the new norm, right? And I do think we'll, we'll have to get used to it. And I do think we will get used to it. Like that was one thing I got. Yes. Oh, there's no, I'm just not going to get used to it. Like, didn't we say the same thing about, I, I think you could even go back to May when golf came back. It's like, oh, that's weird. There's no gallery. Then you watch two or three days. You watch a tournament, you flip it on, you just get used to it. Major League Baseball, I remember the first day there was no fans in the stands uh, that I watched. I was like, oh, this is not going to work. Then the TV networks get creative. They have virtual fans. You can get a cardboard cutout, and you just move on, and you just get used to it. And so I do think college football is going to be the same. I do think it's going to take a while. I thought the NFL on Sunday felt a little bit weird. I joked on Twitter, the fake crowd noise was cracking me up during that Bengals game because the Bengals game uh, is coming down the wire and Joe Burrow's driving the length of the field and he's throwing the ball all over the field and it's a first down and he's rushing up to the line of scrimmage and you hear, you know, you hear noise as if it's actual fans and you just start cracking up because you realize they're virtual fans and they're doing a good job of playing fake noise, but it's not the same. So I do think we'll get used to it. I do think it'll take time. And by the way, before I get to a couple results from the games, I do want to give credit to a bizarre Entity, I guess is the right word, because I was thinking about this as I was watching college football and I was watching the NFL this weekend. And I want to give credit to Major League Baseball. And this is going to sound crazy. Torres, why are you talking baseball? You only talked baseball once and you were yelling and screaming and swearing. Here's why I want to give credit to baseball. I was thinking about this as I was watching the college football and NFL this weekend. The reason I want to give credit to baseball is because I think back to very early in their season. Baseball was the first sport to come back that is not in a bubble in the same way that the NFL and college football is not in a bubble. And I remember back when baseball first started, if you remember back in early August, remember they, 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 te- they first pitch was whatever, July 24th or something like that. They played like a week, and then 
the Miami Marlins thing happened. And if you remember, Miami Marlins, they have like 18 guys test positive and everyone starts freaking out. It's like a week into the season. And I just remember seeing these major baseball writers. Oh, we have to cancel the season. We cannot go on. I remember seeing somebody say, a major baseball writer saying, we have to cancel the season and Rob Manfred should resign. That was the take when Major League Baseball had positive tests from the Miami Marlins. And I thought that was a big moment even in the time of how Major League Baseball reacted. And what eventually happened was, as you all know, we found out the Miami Marlins, they had a bunch of guys go out to bars, they acted like idiots, they were stupid, they weren't doing what they were supposed to do, catch the virus, come back, give it to the whole team. But Major League Baseball's reaction in that moment I thought was so important. Because Rob Manfred said, Rob Manfred stood in front of that camera and said, we are not canceling this season. Just because the Miami Marlins have a bunch of positive tests, that has nothing to do with the Los Angeles Dodgers, has nothing to do with the Colorado Rockies, has nothing to do with the Cincinnati Reds, Milwaukee Brewers, Chicago White Sox. We are going to keep playing this season, and if guys test positive, they just don't play. And at the end of the season, some teams are going to play 60 games, some teams are going to play 48 games, some teams are going to play 51 games, but we have to move on. And oh, by the way, sometimes they're going to have to play double headers, and sometimes they're going to have to play six games in three days, but we are going to press on. We are not quitting. We are not backing down from this virus. And I really thought about that over these last couple days, because as college football came back, I thought it was a little bit, it's almost becoming normal to hear that a college football game is canceled, right? If you think back to this weekend, there were three big 12 teams that were supposed to play that got canceled. Louisiana Tech was supposed to play Baylor, got canceled. Uh, TCU was supposed to play SMU, got canceled. Uh, What was the third one? I can't remember off the top of my head. TCU, Baylor. I had another one. I can't remember. Why am I blanking on which one got canceled? Oh, Oklahoma State, Tulsa. Supposed to play this weekend, got canceled. And I think if it had been two months ago, if baseball hadn't set the groundwork of we are pushing through this, I don't know if we're still playing college football right now. And I know that sounds crazy. I know it sounds dramatic. But we had three games from the Big 12 that were canceled. I don't know if the people that run college sports would have had the guts and the courage. And it's no disrespect because I think they've been great leaders. I don't know if they would have had the guts or the courage to continue to keep playing the way that they have. And I thought it was great over these last couple weeks that, okay, Louisiana Baylor gets canceled. Louisiana Tech Baylor gets canceled. Just move on to the next one. Just get somebody else on the schedule. Credit to, to, to Fox. I don't work for Fox or Fox Sports 1. I work for Fox Sports Radio. But Fox said, okay, Louisiana Baylor, that was our noon kickoff game. They're not playing. We'll just take Arkansas, Kansas, Arkansas State, Kansas State instead. But I think it all stems from Major League Baseball. And so I just want to give them credit before I got into the games themselves. Because I think this is going to be a, 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 a situation that we have to deal with all fall long. Games are going to be canceled. Games are going to be postponed. BYU Army was postponed this week. I don't know if you saw this, but Oklahoma, after the game on Saturday, Lincoln Riley said, we were really close to not playing. We had a lot of guys test positive that could not play in this game. And I just give baseball so much credit. I don't want to spend too much more time on this topic. I just give them so much credit, though, because if they had not drawn a line in the sand, if they had succumbed to the pressure publicly, if they had said positive tests mean we have to shut down the whole league, then I do think college football would be in trouble. All right. Somehow, (laughs) incredibly, I am 35 minutes into this podcast, and I haven't even gotten to the games on Saturday. So let's talk about a few of them. Listen, I think the big story was in fact the Sun Belt, which, by the way, might just be the second-best conference in college football this year. For those who did not see it or pay attention, three big upsets from the Sun Belt of the Big 12. Louisiana beats Iowa State. Arkansas State beats Kansas State. And Coastal Carolina laid the wood to Les Miles and the Kansas Jayhawks. Oh, by the way, don't, don't forget... South Alabama beat Southern Miss so bad two weeks ago that Southern Miss's coach actually quit after the game. So that was kind of surreal. That was kind of crazy. But Sunbelt laying waste to the Big 12. And listen, for people who are new to the show, I'm not going to spend a ton of time breaking down each game. But all I'll say is this. One, let's give a ton of credit to the Sunbelt. Again, let's just, go, let's just give credit to the Sunbelt on the simplest level. They pulled off football 
when the Big Ten said it wasn't possible. When the Big Ten, when Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan said it was not possible to play football, Louisiana just kept going, Coastal Carolina, South Alabama, Appalachian State, they are still playing football. Two, let's give credit to those teams because they're really good. If you watch that Louisiana Lafayette-Iowa State game, and I gushed about Iowa State on this podcast a few days ago, Louisiana was the better team. They were the better team. They had two big plays on special teams that resulted in touchdowns. They had a bomb touchdown pass. They were the better team. They won 11 games last year. They are a legitimate, I think they're one of the top 20 teams in college football this year based on the teams that we have. Now, would they be top 20 if Penn State and Ohio State and Michigan were playing and Oregon and USC? I don't know. But those teams aren't playing right now. So because of it, let's give Louisiana credit. The other games, let's give Arkansas State credit. By the way, Arkansas State, never forget, they actually had a lot of positive tests. They had a bunch of guys that couldn't travel for that game. And they kept going on and they kept getting the W. Same with Coastal Carolina. Listen, I know it's easy to make less miles of punching bag right now, but Coastal Carolina, uh, or excuse me, Kansas, they lost a ton off last year's team that wasn't even that good. I don't know how surprising that result is. I think it's realistic that Kansas could go winless this year. And I do think that part of it was a reflection on the Big 12. I think we got to give the Sun Belt a ton of credit. I think we also just got to live in the world where the Big 12 just might not be that good. Because I was thinking about this. Think about this perspective from the Big 12, right? We always make fun of the Pac-12, how bad the Pac-12 is. Well, Oklahoma has run through the Pac-12 or the Big 12 over the last couple years. And Oklahoma, every time they get to the playoff, they get stomped. They got destroyed by LSU last year. They got beat up by Alabama the year before. So if they've won five straight Big 12 championships, but once they get to the playoff, they can't beat Georgia or Clemson or Alabama or LSU. They've lost to all four of them in the playoff. They're 0-4 in the playoff. That might be a reflection on the Big 12. That might be a reflection that that league is not getting them ready. And I think when you look at that league this year, I just don't think it's a very good league. Now, I said on the last episode, I was talking to Nick Coffey. Nick was actually supposed to join me today. He had some last-minute stuff he couldn't do, but he, he couldn't join me. But if you look at the ACC, I think most of those teams are pretty good. I think that Pitt and North Carolina and Louisville, who played really well against Western Carolina, those teams are good. Georgia Tech played well. Even Syracuse, they ended up losing North Carolina, but they looked good for most of that game. And so I bring it up. Because I think the ACC, it's Clemson, dominant one, Notre Dame, definitely the second best team. And then there's a big gap, but three through 12 in that league, I don't know that there's too many bad teams. So that's one. And two, I think when you look at the Big 12, I think it's the exact opposite. I think Oklahoma's really good. I think Oklahoma State's going to be good this year. Texas should be pretty good. I'm still not selling my Iowa State stock, but I think some of those teams that have traditionally been pretty good, I think are going to be really down this year. I think Baylor is going to be really down. For people who forgot, Baylor's head coach left for the NFL. He's now the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. His name's Matt Rule. I think Kansas State is going to obviously be really down. Lost to Arkansas State, lost a ton off last year's team. Texas Tech has not figured it out. They've somehow gotten worse without Cliff Kingsbury, which is incredible because they were terrible with Cliff Kingsbury, but at least they scored 50 points a game. They just gave up 55. Now they don't score and they can't stop anybody. So to me, no disrespect to the Sun Belt, but I thought a lot of this was about the Big 12. And I'll be really interested to see, is this the year that either Texas or Oklahoma State can actually jump Oklahoma? Because I think there's a lot of wins to be had in that league, and I think there's an opportunity for one, if not two teams. Remember, as of right now, there's no Big 10, there's no Pac-12. If that's the case... There is a, a shot that we can get two Big 12 teams in, but I do think um, that realistically that league might just not be very good this year. All right, I do want to wrap on the ACC because I thought it was pretty interesting basically watching the Florida State and Clemson games back-to-back. And here's why I thought it was interesting. Because Florida State, for people who did not see it, um, they lost to Georgia Tech. And it's not only that they lost to Georgia Tech, they like were awful. They were like legitimately, abjectly, no doubt about it, terrible, okay? And I'll tell you this. I picked Florida State. Uh, I picked the under. That was my best bet of the weekend. If you listen to my betting picks on last episode, that was one of my best bets because I said, look, I don't think Florida State's that good. But I didn't know they were that bad. For people who didn't see it, they lost 16-13 to 13 
to Georgia Tech, three turnovers. Their O-line still can't block anybody, and essentially that was my big concern with them coming into the year. I know that Mike Norvell's their, their new head coach. He came from Memphis, big hot shot, uh, whatever. Doesn't matter how good the coach is, if the O-line can't block, if the receivers can't get open, if the running backs can't create, like, can't, doesn't matter. And so that's what we saw with Florida State. But after the game, there was a very interesting stat that I saw tweeted out, or that I, I saw and I actually tweeted out myself, and that was that this is Florida State's fourth straight, fourth straight loss to open the season. So for the fourth season in a row, they have lost to open the season. And that is an absolute, when I, when I heard that, I was stunned, okay? Because for people who do not know, for people who are under 30, Florida State, when I was a kid, they just lost their fourth straight season opener. Insane. When I was a kid, you could argue that Florida State was the best program in college football. I looked up this stat because I want to make sure it was correct. This is how Florida State, when I was a kid, in the 90s, many of you grew up in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s. Many of you are about my age. I'm in my mid-30s. Some of you are in your early 30s. Some of you are in your late 30s. Florida State was maybe the most consistent program in college football. They were essentially like Clemson. They didn't win it every year, but they basically ran over the entire ACC. They were just so much better than everybody else. And so I looked up this stat. I wanted to make sure it was correct. I couldn't believe that it was possibly correct, but it was. And this was the stat. From 1987 until 2000, that's 14 straight seasons, they finished no worse than number five in the country. Let me say that again. For 14 straight seasons, they finished the year no worse than number five in the country. That is insane. That is if Clemson did what they've done over the last six or seven years and doubled it. That is if what Alabama has essentially done if you add five more years to it. That is what Florida State was in the late 80s and early 90s. I want to read you their win-loss record starting in 1987. 1987, finished the year, 11-1. 1988, 11-1. 1989, 10-2, 10-2, 11-1, 11-1, 12-1, 10-1-1 in 94, 10-2, 11-1 in 96, 11-1 in 97, 11-2 in 98, 12-0 in 99, 11-2 in 2000. Every single year, they finished in the top five from 1987 to 2000. That is insane when you look at the current situation at Florida State. And it's just amazing to me how bad they've gotten how quickly. Because the insane thing was, not only were they that good for that long, then they got good again under Bobby under Jimbo Fisher. And so it was cracking me up because I was looking up uh, Bobby Bowden before I came on this show. His last year he went 7-6. and six. They forced him out. They would kill. That program would kill for 7-6 and six right now. You look at what, what they've done the last few years, they went what? I think they had to uh, reschedule a game a few years ago to get bowl eligible. Last two years they haven't been bowl eligible. Then they lose to Georgia Tech. That is insane how far they've fallen. And if you're not, even if you're not old enough to remember them in the, the 90s and early 2000s, like 2013, they, like they were really good five years ago. Never forget, they won the national championship in 2013. In 2014, they made the, the first ever college football playoff undefeated. Won the ACC the following year. Went 10-3 and three and 10-3 and three in two of Jimbo's last three years. It's just insane to me how far they've fallen. And the only other thought I really had from Saturday is, one, it's insane how far they've fallen. And two, it's insane how good Clemson is, man. I'm just telling you, for people who do not remember college football from before about five, six, seven years ago, I know some of you are young. Some of you are new to the sport. Like, I still think we don't talk enough about how great Clemson has become and how quickly, okay? Like, this was the program. If Florida State was the most consistently great program, the Clemson of the 90s and early 2000s, Clemson was what, uh, like, I don't even know what would be the right analogy right now. Kind of like what Tennessee has been the last few years. And shout out to the Tennessee fans because I think you're trending in the right direction under Jeremy Pruitt. But you know how like Tennessee, something always goes wrong. Texas, the last couple years, something always goes wrong. That was how Clemson was. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking about the fact as I was watching Clemson just steamroll Wake Forest, they weren't even that good 
Clemson probably played a B-minus game, got the win. I was thinking, can you imagine, for those of you who are college football fans who are old enough to remember pre-Dabo, can you imagine in 2008, the year before Dabo got hired, telling a college football fan, in 10 years, this is what's going to happen. Clemson is going to hire a wide receivers coach with no previous head coaching experience. And he is going to turn, his name's Dabo, by the way, and he is going to turn Clemson into a juggernaut that is one of the two best teams in the country every single year. Inconceivable. Insane. And so I was just thinking about that as the game went final, but really this is about Florida State, and really what it's about is just the fact that I just cannot believe how bad they've gotten, how quickly, and frankly how good Clemson has gotten, and how quickly that has happened. All right, I think that's it for today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I'm not going to lie. I feel like I got a lot of content out of not very many intriguing games. By the way, Notre Dame win. I told you they're not that good. They're going to be fine. They're, they're a 7-3 and three type team this year. I don't think they're great. I think they'll struggle with the ACC schedule. Louisville looked really good. Really excited for that Louisville-Miami game this coming weekend. Um, but that's it. That's it for today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. And, and like I said, as, as um, you know, the weeks ramp up, this show will get better. We got a couple big guests coming up here in the next few weeks, college football people that I'm excited to bring on. Uh, Nick Coffey will be joining me more regularly. He was actually supposed to join me tonight, was really excited to do so, and then at the last minute had to bail because of some family obligations. He was actually at the Louisville game, wanted to talk to him a little bit about what it was like being in an empty stadium. But I think that's it for today's show. I will be back Tuesday, three, week, three episodes a week, every week going forward. In the meantime, if you're not subscribed to the Aaron Tour Sports Podcast, please make sure to do so. iTunes, the Podcast Addict app, again, for, uh, for Androids. If you, if you want to listen on an Android, Podcast Addict app is the way to go. Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to the Aaron Tour Sports Podcast, please make sure to subscribe. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead and give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. Finally, if you're not following on social media, Aaron Torres Pod on social media on Twitter. Uh, that is my new Twitter handle. Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast on Instagram. If you have any questions, Aaron Torres Podcast questions at gmail.com. Cannot believe I did 50 minutes on basically the Sun Belt and the Big 12, considering how little there was in this sport for this weekend. That is all for today's show. Shout out to my boy, Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. Back to three episodes a week. I will be back on Tuesday, and I hope you guys have a great day. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.